What is up, everybody? This is Ryan here for The Scale Up Show. I have an awesome CEO and founder on today, which is Eric Yunstrom, who is the CEO and founder of OnRamp Funds. It's a fintech startup. Okay, this guy's got five times startup experience. He's generated more than $400 million in shareholder returns through successful exits. And something really cool that he's done is he's created a platform to generate a line of credit for SMBs to truly a unique business model where it's a combination of SaaS plus FinTech. So you're not going to want to miss this and check it out. And if you listen closely, there's some really, really cool principles that you can apply to your business. Check it out and don't miss it. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Eric Yunstrom. He is the CEO and founder of OnRamp Funds. He's previously had over $400 million in successful exits. He's an experienced entrepreneur. Um, prior to OnRamp, he helped launch Shipping Easy, a SaaS application for order management and shipping for e-com, which later sold to Stamps.com. And he's passionate about helping small business owners grow their business to knock the cover off the ball. Eric, happy to have you on, man. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, and we uh we got the uh we got the 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 Texas flag in the background rocking that, so it's good. Um so why don't we do this before we get really deep into your story? Can you just give us a super quick revenue rundown? We'll we'll hit that and um answer those questions and then get into your story so people understand where you're at in the journey. So where are you kind of at in terms of your revenue stage? So, yeah, we're a seed stage company. Uh, we've raised about $42 million in equity and debt to go off and, and provide working capital to our merchants and, and grow and scale the business. Uh, we've got about 30 employees full time here in Austin, Texas. You can see the flag there. Nice. Um, and about half of us are actually ex-shipping easy. So um, in terms of, uh, you know, just having a lot of trust and loyalty and experience working together, right? Um, our engineering, product teams, sales leadership, right? Um, all of us come from kind of that shipping easy, ship station, stamps.com background. Uh, so tons of e-commerce experience and just a lot of trust amongst each other in, in building businesses and working together. That's awesome. Well, I, lo- love, I do love the flag. Um, thanks for giving us all the details in terms of where you're at. You mentioned your team size. What's your primary go-to-market strategy? So, you know, we, we are a kind of inbound, outbound marketing and sales go-to-market approach. Uh, we have a, a sales team here of about seven people uh, who are really kind of a mix of uh, um, outbound uh, sales efforts combined then with managing inbound leads. Um, you know, our outbound efforts really are phone, email driven, uh, prospect driven, partner driven via our partner network. And then um, on the inbound side, right, traditional PPC, SEO, content, things like that uh, to just build awareness of the brand, um, you know, find more, you know, find more interested customers, try to provide high quality content that's going to help them build their business. And then hopefully that gets them to engage with the brand and start to talk to our sales reps. Okay, excellent. And, and so can you give us a real quick understanding of your solution just so folks have some context and exactly the outcomes it creates and who you serve? Sure, sure. So we, we work with small business merchants, uh, specifically e-commerce merchants who sell physical goods. So, you know, you have to have inventory, you have to have turnover because our, our, our product, our working capital solutions are designed to solve the cash conversion cycle problem, which is where mm. um, so much of a, a merchant's 
um, revenue and profit is captured in inventory turnover, advertising to drive the inventory, and the shipping and fulfillment expenses um, to process an order. And what typically happens is most of their, if not all of their profit is captured there, and they can't extract it in order to pay themselves, uh, which has given rise to a large industry of aggregators, right, who are buying up these small e-commerce businesses um, and typically doing so with with rather modest offers um, that I just think most e-commerce merchants, if they could extract their their profit um, and pay themselves their, you know, sustainably, they wouldn't take those lower offers. They'd be looking for something better because they know that they could probably deliver that same amount of money in less than 18 months. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's really to help these guys maintain their independence and grow and scale their business. Our average merchant does somewhere between 200,000 and 10 million in revenue today. Uh, so you know, they're still early stage. They haven't reached um, a level of financial sophistication um, or the reporting kind of requirements necessary to go work with a bank for a line of credit. And so we like to think of our product really as uh, cash to drive sales and then um, the discipline and advisory services around that uh, to really help grow the business, use the cash responsibly, um, and, and make sure that we're helping these merchants become more and more successful. Um, those advisory services aren't just limited to finance, given the, the shipping background that we have here, the fulfillment background, supply chain experience we have. You know, we, we help merchants with supply chain optimization. You know, during the worst of COVID, we were actually helping these guys reroute um, reroute their their Chinese bound inventory through Houston, Florida, out of LA and Long Beach, so that they wouldn't get stuck in those long you know ninety day float times in the harbor. Um, so that you know it, Texas was open, Florida was open, so you could get your you could get your goods off the boat and get it at, you know get it into your warehouse and get it moving. Um, we help people with SEO, SEM, uh, either with our own direct experience or uh, through a partner network. Right, so we have a, a a pretty significant partner network for an early stage company, uh, really based on our experience in in the market. And you know what we do then is, is try to connect our merchants, our merchant clients, with the best in class partner for their specific needs to help them, you know, continue to scale and grow that business. And then we're the financing available to then help them as that growth occurs. Okay, so partner network. Okay, that's cool. And then, so just to, to get a little more specific, for your you're providing like cash availability or almost like a cash float of like. I guess what's the typical payout um, that they get versus like how do you compress that time so that they could have the cash flow they need? Yeah, so look, working capital in, in the cash conversion cycle in an e-commerce industry, right, is typically about ninety days. And okay. so what we're trying to do is help them optimize um, the use of that working capital at the pace things turn over. Uh, and so you know, typically what happens, you know, in 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 a in America. We are trained from birth, right? You want the most amount of money possible for the smallest interest rate for the longest period of time. Um, and that's great if you're buying a house or a fixed asset, right? That that's maybe has a, a long-term depreciation cycle, but inventory turns over in 90 days. So if you take a one-year term loan in, to buy inventory and you sell out of that inventory in 90 days, you haven't finished paying that term loan off and, and how are you gonna get more capital to go get the next 90 days worth of inventory? And so what we're doing is actually structuring a financing product on demand capital that allows you to come in, draw for inventory, for advertising, for shipping and fulfillment, the the working capital expenses that then times with the cash conversion cycle so that by the time you're ready to go buy more inventory, 
that draw is available to you again. So you can come get more capital and that you're synchronizing those two things. And the discipline of that then really allows business owners to scale quickly um, while helping them avoid some of the pitfalls of, you know, cycles that are too long um, and not being able to then, you know, get to that next, uh, to that next cash advance, if you will, that next draw um, when you actually need to go buy the inventory because it's, you know, because you haven't finished paying the last one off. Yeah, I, I like that. So it's, it's almost like a line of credit Mm-hmm. Um, that updates as soon as they pay it off. So then you can keep drawing against that and then just have that extra float. Okay, that's that's cool. I like yeah. that. Hello, this is Ryan here. Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review. If you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS CEOs and founders are doing, check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io. Join my newsletter, check out other free content resources I have there, and let me know if you want to scale your business. Now back to the episode. All right, Eric. So, so now that we went through the revenue rundown, I guess like, what's your journey to get here, and like, how did how did you get to this point? You know, I know you created, like I mentioned in the intro, it was like what four hundred million dollars in successful exits, um, which is absolutely amazing for startups. So, like, can you just walk us through that journey and and kind of how you got to this point? Sure. Um, look, I've always wanted to to be an entrepreneur and start my own business. Um, I, I had some early attempts out of college that did not go well. Uh, I learned some some hard lessons. They were good lessons. Um, and then um, I ended up going to grad school. I spent a little time with Deloitte in their consulting practice, but knew I wanted to get back in the startup world. Um, and so when the opportunity arose, um, I joined a company called Motive that was providing broadband kind of technology services into the telco space. I spent several years with them. Um, and that was really kind of my first taste of the Austin startup scene. And then I was... Uh, uh, I was recruited by the founders of a company called CS Identity um, that provided identity theft protection services. And I was actually the first first employee hired at the business. So there were four founders. And when they started raising, then they brought me in. And so that was my first taste of being truly, you know, day one. Um, and it was it was a fantastic experience. I was with them to about, I think, about $50 million in, in recurring revenue. And then I had the chance to join um, Shipping Easy. Um, and so I, you know, those guys were in a really great spot and, you know, that business had kind of reached 300 employees and it was kind of like time to get back to the early stage again. And so, uh, joined shipping easy, uh, Katie May was the CEO recruited me as what her first exec hire. Um, and then in about three and a half years, uh, we grew that business to 30,000 merchant customers, um, with an outbound sales team, you know, inbound outbound approach, uh, built a, a fantastic model of, um, really, just providing the best service in the industry where, um, you know, we had our phone number on every page of our application environment, which is really unusual in a SaaS environment. Um, when that phone rang, it rang in Austin next to my desk. Um, if the support team was busy, you know, I would answer phones, our CEO would answer phones. Um, and our merchants just came to know that they were going to get helped no matter what. Uh, and if they had any kind of problem with how do you manage orders, how do you ship, how do you, how do you start selling overseas, things like that that the guys at Shipping Easy would answer the phone and, and take care of you. And it's amazing. If you go look at the, the Shipping Easy reviews, like in the Shopify app store, it, you know, probably half of them include like, hey, Samantha's the best, or Andy really helped me today, right? It's always about a person. 
Um, and what we learned from that was that, you know, most small businesses are treated as really kind of second class redheaded stepchildren, if you will, right? They're not given the, the true business treatment, right? And what we found was if you would, you know, by treating the CEO as a CEO, right, not as just a, you know, a part-time hobbyist, um, you could just build a, a fantastic business and help and help these guys build businesses that really grew and scaled. Um, and it, it worked amazingly well. And then we were acquired by, by stamps.com. So um, the shipping easy and CS90 exits did generate about $400 million in, in total exit value back to investors. Um, fantastic outcomes for, you know, the early stage employees and option holders and shareholders. Um, and, you know, post post acquisition, I spent about three and a half years with our acquirer, Stamps.com, running their global BD and M&A, and uh, got a chance to work with a, a far broader network of partners, and again, in the e-commerce world. And then from there, really saw the opportunity to launch OnRamp. That's awesome, man. So is that what kind of happened? Like, you just saw big gaps in the market with the cash flow needed to basically keep businesses alive. And that's where, yeah. is that kind of how it all came about? Yeah, we, we you know, we saw the challenges, um, you know, when Toys R Us went bankrupt by 2017, they were a client. And so we, we saw it happen to Toys R Us, right? Here's this massive brand. And yet their cash flow challenges, right, really put a huge hurt on their business. And you would see it with small guys, um, right? And and so what we what we really recognized was there's a, there's a real challenge with, how do you grow and scale a business? How do you get to the right financial tools? How do you use those things in, in the most appropriate way possible? Um, and so what I really looked at was an industry where, at least in 2019, when I started you know, toying with this idea, um, the financing products were really traditional retail products, uh, traditional inventory financing, where there's very little visibility into where inventory is, you know, what, what inventory quantities are in stock and things like that, uh, where you're getting kind of 50 cents on the wholesale dollar. And that just didn't reflect the reality of e-commerce where I can see bulk inventory when it's leaving a supplier, I can track that bulk inventory as it moves, you know, via water, via train, via truck to a warehouse. I can see, you know, I can then in the warehouse inventory system, see that inventory being depalletized and ready to go ship on a unit by unit basis, right? And then I can track that sale all the way to the customer's door. And so it really looked like there was an opportunity to go solve the working capital problem with really, you know, a high velocity on demand line of credit, if you will, that would assist the merchant, right? In making sure there's always inventory in stock and then making sure that there's always cash available to drive the advertising necessary to get to that next sale and then to drive the shipping and fulfillment expenses necessary to complete that order and get it all the way to that customer's door and then rinse and repeat. Um, and if you think about the data that flows through this, right, it, it really drives the ability to build an incredibly high velocity product that's designed to, to just help turn over one unit of inventory at a time, but hopefully, you know, thousands of those every day and, you know, generating hundreds of thousands of dollars a month in recurring revenue. Um, and then, you know, powering the merchant with more capital when they need it and then helping the merchant, you know, know, pay that line down so that it's not becoming overwhelming to them and and leaving them in a bad spot. And then also making sure that we fit within the broader capital stack, right? Understanding that equipment financing doesn't really conflict with what we do, right? A, a, A warehouse mortgage is not a problem, right? Because that's a different payment terms. It has a different impact on your business. Um, and so really helping the merchant understand 
that one, we're aligned with them, two, that we work alongside these other pieces of capital, uh, and then two, really how to utilize us in the most cost-effective way so that it's advantageous to the merchant, right? Like we, we really, you know, the mission here is to drive as many merchants as possible to success and get into a sustainable state um, because the more successful, sustainable small business merchants there are in the world, the happier, freer, and, and safer it is for all of us. Yeah, I mean, I love that it's inventory marketing and shipping and creating that to create a faster turn. So what's your pricing model? Like, I guess just like, how does it work? Is it is it based on, you know, the capital, um, basically the capital loaned out? Or is there a user fee or like what's what's just like your whole like pricing model when it comes to your solution? Yeah, we're, we're a fee-based model, so we charge a small percentage of your overall sales, um, and, that, and it really, that percentage is, is based upon um, the percentage of your 90-day revenue you're going to draw against. Um, and, you know, by the way, it might be 90-day revenue draw, it might be 150, it might be a 30-day. Uh, that really depends on the uniqueness of each individual business and kind of the capital use. Um, and so what we're then doing is, is essentially extending that line, uh, de- depositing the funds in your bank account. And then as you're getting deposits from your sales channels, right, we will determine, you know, kind of what percentage of those sales are going to be swept back into on-ramp to pay down that line. Uh, and then a small fee that goes alongside that. Uh, typically, it comes out to, you know, somewhere between kind of one and two and a half percent of sales uh, in mm-hmm. fees. Um, uh, but it can be it can be lower too, just depending on you know kind of what the quantity of the draw is and, and how that aligns with with the expected sales term. Okay, so it's more efficient than a credit card. It's more efficient than Stripe when you look at like just the or I'm saying like fee structure wise, right? So, yep. um, so that's that's pretty cool. Um, I guess yeah, I mean, like, it it fits ahead. in that kind of Stripe, you know, kind of char- swipe the card experience, right? Um, but the the beauty of it is if your sales slow down, your payments slow down. And there is no credit card 30-day payment term, right? And so the, the challenge of credit cards, right, is their payment cycle doesn't align with your cash conversion cycle. And your credit limit for most small business owners, right, is not driven by the business. It's driven by their personal uh, borrowing capacity, which may not actually match with the business needs at any given time. And certainly, you know, Q4 business needs are far, far higher than Q1. Um, but a credit card is looking at you for the next two years. And so they're going to make a different decision. Um, whereas our, our capital is really flexed specifically to the business without a personal guarantee from the owner, uh, without the owner having to put their own you know name in the line, right? It's their business. And what we want is for that business to be treated as if they were, you know, an academy sports here in Austin, right? $100 million revenue business where the banks line up to work with them. Well, we're lining up to work with the, the small business owners here where the banks just don't know how to work with them today. Yeah, I mean, that's cool. There's definitely some, I mean, disruption and antiquated methods in which, <laughs> which, uh, I mean, business, I mean, here, like prime example, like, you know, like when I first started my business, my personal line of credit was, I could, I could do whatever I wanted. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when I started my business, they're like, all right, your credit limit's like $3,000. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, and it was the same exact company versus, you know, my own. So it was just like that I was, I was trying to use. So it was just, it's mind blowing how the left hand is talking to the right hand or in connecting right. connection with that, which I, I can see being a perfect opportunity for your business. So I guess like, let me ask you this. And this is something that um, I got turned on to a previous guest. Um, so 
that's your core product, consumer facing. Is there another like future facing like data or um, forecasting or analytics product that you're looking for as a result of having all this e-com data? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So right now, right, we're just, we're, you know, the best way to be a successful startup is to focus. And right. And so right now we are focusing very, very diligently on making sure this product works um, and that we can streamline and, and become even more efficient at deploying, collecting, redeploying, right, and aiding the merchant with that. Um, as we moved into later this year and early next year, right, we will then expand that into a broader suite of offerings, right? So, you know, analytics um, around, you know, product velocities, things like that. I really help people understand that cash conversion cycle in a, in a much more, you know, tightly aligned way with their business. Um, looking for opportunities to help them better scale, right? Help to, help to identify, hey, who, who are the maybe early or what are the early winning products that are kind of still emerging in your catalog um, that look like they're getting that early traction that you should put more muscle behind, right? What are the products that, you know, are kind of in that sweet spot that you, you, don't, you don't have to put nearly as much into anymore and they're going to have kind of a self-sustaining life cycle in terms of turnover with just a little bit of investment behind them? How do you identify when, look, you've been, you've been trying to sell this new product in your catalog for 90 to 180 days. It's time to just cut bait and move on to the next, right? And so really just thinking about a broader suite of tools based on what we can see in, in, in our merchants' data, right, in that business owner's data, but also what we see across our portfolio of clients, right, and then being able to bring some of that aggregate knowledge and, and insight to all of our clients. Um, we are very sensitive that, you know, what we're not doing is sharing client data. Um, we're not, you know, we're not out there saying, hey, so-and-so does this, you should do this. Much more, though, looking at those aggregate learnings and saying, you know, we've seen people find success in these types of ways. Um, and, you know, but while respecting the fact that, we're trying to be a good partner to these merchants and these business owners. And sometimes they don't want that secret sauce getting out there. That's what makes them unique and different. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. That's kind of where I thought you were going with it. So I, I just, because the level of data that you're talking about would be it's phenomenal. really insightful. Right. And uh, you know, like if I was, if I was an SMB and I was trying to figure things out, I mean, that would be highly, highly valuable because that's, that's not available right now. So right. I think that's an awesome path that you're going down. So let me ask you this, Eric, what, what, what would you say is like the single best strategy you have for growing revenue um, that you're applying in your business today? You know, I, I, I don't think it's any one strategy. I think what it is, is the willingness to go focus and test new channels, new sales approaches, um, okay. but not give up on the old ones. Um, and so, you know, I think what happens too often is you see teams that, you know, they, they might be an outbound team because it's, you know, nothing else is working, but then inbound turns on and all of a sudden, well, great, that's even more fun to go do. And then what happens is instead of having accretive sales growth, right, you've just swapped one channel for the next. Um, and I think what our team is really fantastic about doing is, you know, we invest in a channel, we're going to prove that we can make that work or, or not, and then move on. But, you know, if we do make that work, then how do we make sure as we layer in the next channel, the next strategy, that they're accretive, right? That they're building on top of one another uh, so that we're not just moving from one approach to another, but we're leveraging all of these approaches at the same time. Uh, and that just takes, you know, it takes time, it takes diligence, um, and it takes a lot of hard work. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. It does. Um, and I, I think that's smart, man. You don't want to swap it out because for the new shiny toy or the new right. shiny object, right? The new shiny sales process, it's working better. Uh, I guess like the, what's your... 
So for your testing, when you test it out, like what's your framework or how do you kind of approach it in terms of like timing, metrics, um, sample size, anything that you do for that to really say like, okay, you know, we're, we're doing a, a three month test on, on this sales process for this quantity. You know, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. You know, look, I think one, you have to be willing to do the test and you have to want to give it enough time. You know, the flip side of that is in startup world, right? Like every day is a week, every week is a year, <laughs> right? You just, you, you can't, you can't just say, we're going to let this thing take three months. We have to find progress, you know, via any path possible during that time. And so part of it is having um, enough tests kind of going at once. And then part of it is, is, you know, look, I've been, you know, this is my fourth. Um, the team here has been, you know, kind of all the exec team has been through two to five different startups themselves. And so part of it is just willing to look at something and saying, all right, the early signals here are working. We're going to kind of make a, make a bet that we can accelerate that a little bit quicker. Um, the early signals here, it's not quite working yet. Maybe we'll let it run for a little while longer, but not trying to wait that full three months right now, you know, as the business scales, you know, we'll have the luxury of, of, of a little bit more time and, and then you can expand those tests. What will probably happen in, in some of those cases, right, is we'll come back to some things that we just couldn't make work in the early days because we didn't have the time uh, and we'll come back and, and, and try them again, but try them now with, with better better knowledge, successes elsewhere, right? Lessons learned that we can then reapply and see if we can then, you know, actually make a difference in, in how those other approaches that didn't work the first time could work the second time. Um, I will say the other thing too is, you know, we've been, we've been really blessed to work with some great um, early stage agencies um, on the marketing side that have really helped us, you know, bring, you know, a level of sophistication that when you're, you know, only six or seven people, right, you just don't have in-house. Um, and I'll tell you, I'm not a marketer, right? I, I, I'm a good BD guy, a partner guy. I think I'm a good executive leader, but I've never been on the marketing side of the business. So uh, that's not a skill set I brought. Um, and so, you know, having, you know, having a great agency partner in the early stages that was kind of a local general purpose agency you could help us scale was great. And then, you know, as we've scaled, we've, we've kind of piecemealed certain parts of that to, to different agencies who really specialize, say, in PPC, right, or content. Um, that'll mm -hmm. help us continue to grow the business and, and really refine those areas and then further scale them for us. Okay, excellent. Awesome. Well, what do you, I mean, it sounds like things are going really well for you, but what would you say is your single biggest challenge with growing the company right now then? You know, I think right now it's, it's, it's the macroeconomic conditions, right? I mean, we're actually enjoying growth right now. We're, we're learning through the process. The challenges we face are challenges that every startup faces, right? It's how do you acquire and what, why was that acquisition strategy working a week ago and it's not working now or what, what have you, right? And so part of that's just natural and you have to go through it and you have to be willing to kind of live through the stress of it and just power through to the other side of it. Um, but when I really look around at the market, right, I think as, um, you know, as we're seeing, you know, the venture market change, how it wants to go deploy funds and, and what it's looking for in terms of defining success, Right. We've had a, a decade of essential growth. Right. Where, uh, you know, following the, the, the what is it, the financial collapse of 2008, uh, the Fed kept rates so low that, you know, there was just a lot of money flowing everywhere looking for a return. And, and that actually translated all the way down to the startups. Um, you know, now what we're seeing right is is, the, you know, the pendulum swing the other direction. Um, and so, you know, we're just looking at our business to make sure that, you know, we're really, really well positioned and adapted to, 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 to live in the world that is not the world that was. 
Um, I do think, you know, when we raised money earlier this year, we raised on, you know, really an expectation that pendulum would swing back the other direction. And so we, we did not get greedy. I think we, we, we made some really smart decisions in how we priced the company um, that really leave us very, very well positioned um, to continue to grow and have up rounds if we need them in the future um, and give us really a chance to simply grow this business organically. That's fantastic, man. Well, unfortunately, Eric, we are up on time. So where can people find you? Where can they find more about on-ramp funds and then we'll wrap it up man yeah you can you can learn more about us at onrampfunds.com um you can find us at um onramp funds we have an instagram channel a facebook page you can find us on linkedin at onramp funds uh even on tiktok so uh, we're kind of everywhere people are today and uh, we're out there ready to help um if you have any questions we've got a, a sales team and an advisory team here inside that's uh, ready to answer your call our phone number is on every page of our app um and we're here to help you in any way we can that's awesome man well, Eric, it was awesome having you on the show. I love what you're doing, and I think you're going to help a lot of small businesses. So it's a great mission on and, and, and what you're trying to do, and it was, it was a pleasure having you on the show, man. Thank you. It's been wonderful being here. I really appreciate you inviting me. Thank you for checking out The Scale-Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.